listeners, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Campion, and this is another episode of One Guest, One Drink, One Question, the most refreshing show on the web. Each episode, we bring on a new guest. They bring one drink to share with us, and we ask one question that we want the answer to. On today's episode, uh, I have a longtime friend of mine. Uh, we lived together in school. He was my big in the fraternity. Uh, his name is Patrick. Patrick, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Campion, or Camp, as I call you. Of course, as you call me. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate the support here. Uh, now, as I understand, you're from the greater Seattle area, from uh, Sammamish, uh, as it were. As it is. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you then on the show virtually, of course. Uh, we want to make sure that we're physically distant during these times. So, uh, Patrick, I'd like to ask you, uh, what drink did you bring for us to uh, sip on today? Yeah, today I brought a drink from Ruben's Brews Brewery, uh, based out of Seattle. It's mm-hmm. a India pale, pale Ale, an IPA called Bits and Bobs. It's uh, 7% alcoholic volume, 50 IBUs, and I got it because I was looking for a beer this weekend that kind of... I was looking for an IPA at the same time uh, from a brewery I knew. I hadn't tried this one before, so I decided to try it out. Awesome. I mean, it, it looks delicious. In fact, I've had it before. I know it's delicious. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I love Rubens. And a uh, fun fact for you and for the listeners, uh, I was the winner of uh, one of Rubens' beer contests in December of, uh, I want to say, 2018. Uh, it was amazing. I love them. They're a great brewery, uh, so shout out to them. Uh, before we get into our sip, Patrick, or Patty, as I like to call you, uh, <laughs> do you have any shout-outs or any toasts you'd like to give? I think I'd like to give a toast um, to you for kind of hosting this. Obviously, bringing the friend group together and bringing other people together during this time is important to get human contact. And then also everyone um, looking to fight the coronavirus, shout-out to them uh, and appreciate what you're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Uh, shout out to you as well for being one of the very first guests on the show. And uh, thanks for all the support. Of course, man. So let's, let's go ahead and raise our cans. We'll crack them open and uh, give a cheers. All right. Cheers. Ah, just hits right, man. Wow. That is amazing. You know, traditionally, I'm not a huge IPA guy, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, they're beers that I kind of came into recently. I wouldn't say I'm still an IPA fan yet, but you know, growing up, uh, we're not growing up, but the first <laughs> beers, the first beers you drank, of course, uh, probably aren't IPAs, and for me, they definitely weren't. So I'm still kind of getting used to IPAs. I'm I'm not sure I'm a fan, but yeah, it's really tasty. Is there any reason that caused you to switch and start trying IPAs? Well, mainly my girlfriend likes IPAs, and so I started drinking them more because of that. But at the same time, I think a lot of people around me drink them a lot, so you kind of just become introduced to them that way. And I think that more or less, you don't like beer until you drink a lot of beer, and the same kind of logic applies for different types of beers. So you probably aren't a fan of IPAs until you start drinking them a lot. And maybe people are a fan from sip one. I doubt it. 
And the same thing applies to most types of alcohol in the first place. I've never been a whiskey guy, but I've drank more of my make I've drank more whiskey because some of my roommates have. So as a result, I've become a little bit of a whiskey guy as well. Definitely. I think, um, you know, IPAs kind of have that effect of staining your tongue or almost numbing it yeah. to flavor. And so you got to keep bumping up the IBUs to even taste it. Um, which is fine. It's delicious, uh, you know, once your tongue gets accustomed to it. But it can sometimes uh, make other beers feel more bland and, and not as great, you know? That's true. Like, I used to be a big Pilsner guy, and I think mm-hmm. that's obviously a really simple beer to get into. But as a result of drinking more IPAs, Pilsners to me now taste like almost nothing, which is kind of sad in the fact that I really like them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with that staining my Definitely. tongue yeah if if that's the right term for it listeners you can correct us uh if we're we're getting it wrong maybe sharpening your tongue sharpening it that sounds good i like that we'll we'll coin that term on the pod so uh patty i brought you on the show because i know that you studied finance uh in school and i know you're very familiar with finance economics all things money so are you familiar with the term uh veblen good I'm familiar with it, but it's been a while. I think a Veblen good – well, should I, should, I, should I give you my understanding of it? Yeah. Can you give us a definition for the listeners? Yeah, sure. Not, maybe not quite a, a dictionary definition, but a mm-hmm. Veblen good is a good that as price increases, so does demand, which inherently contradicts what is known as – the law of demand, and I'm stretching my knowledge banks here a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, generally speaking, as price goes up, demand goes down for a particular item. And so what you have if, for example, price was on the x-axis and demand was on the y-axis, as that price increases, you get a downward sloping demand curve. And that's known as the law of demand. Veblen good seems or appears to contradict that um, because as the price goes up, the demand actually increases. So that's what a Veblen good is. At least that's my understanding of it. And yeah, happy to discuss. It's kind of a fun phenomenon to talk about or think about. Certainly. Yeah. And thank you for defining it. I think that's a pretty clear definition as we can get. Um, And so I want to know, uh, I guess, first of all, let's start with an example of a Veblen good. Can you think of one? I think that now I'm really stretching my memory banks here, but the traditional examples that you might hear in an economics class are mm-hmm. something like a luxury car where mm-hmm. the price, for example, of a Ferrari um, may or may not be indicative of the quality. It, to some extent, it definitely is. But if I were to tell you, hey, I have a $100,000 Ferrari or I have a $500,000 Ferrari, which one are you going to want to get? You're going to want to get the $500,000 one or or at least as the price increases. Maybe that's not a good example because I'm comparing two different cars and we need to Mm -hmm. to keep the the product equal. Um, Mm -hmm. But if if the price of, of the Ferrari goes up, then the demand will actually increase. Maybe a better example, I'm looking at my iPhone as we're recording this, is something like an iPhone. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to buy a $100 iPhone, and Apple knows that. Apple knows that 
as they increase the price, the demand will go up. And so that's kind of an example of a Veblen good. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, with the iPhone example and even the Ferrari example, we can see them as kind of status symbols in a way. Uh, if you go around telling people you have a $100 iPhone, uh, that's not quite as impressive, right? Yeah. As saying, I have the newest $1,000 iPhone. I think that's, uh, And Apple, Apple knows that. It, right? I think that's right. And I think that you could probably redefine the question even in terms of what a Dublin good is, in, in terms of what brand commands a high brand loyalty or what brand commands a uh, you know high brand awareness, something like that. Because at the end of the day, people pay for more than just the underlying physical asset of something. They pay for what it's associated with and what it means and, like you said, the status of it. So you could probably redefine the question in terms of which products are defined not by the actual physical asset underlying them, but which products are, are defined by the overall kind of brand loyalty and uh, status symbol that come, uh, come associated with them. Definitely. And I, I think one of the easiest examples that that shows, you know, maybe less than an iPhone or Ferrari, is something like a Gucci belt. Yeah. Uh, now, if you say, I just bought a $10 Gucci belt, uh, versus saying I bought a $100 Gucci belt, uh, people might question you on the $10 one. Is it fake? You know, is it old? Is it not real? Whatever. Uh, whereas the $100 one is kind of more in the right uh, realm. Hopefully, at least I've, I've never bought one. Uh, but the, the quality of the, it's just a piece of leather, right? Uh, whereas you can tell in some products, like you said, you know, a Ferrari is probably better than a, a Camry in a lot of senses. Yeah, right? no, I definitely agree. So uh, <clears throat> the question that I want to get to now that we've kind of defined what we're talking about is, is there an item or a service or something that you think is not currently uh, considered to be a Veblen good, but should be? I think that's an interesting question. I'm not sure off the top of my head of anything, but it leads me to think of kind of, I mean, what's happening in the world right now, um, mm -hmm. just with the essential printing of money by the Fed and the lowering of interest rates that theoretically will cause people to flock to a little bit more risky investments like the stock market. And I think mm -hmm. that leads me to think, well, maybe is, is, is the stock market a Veblen good in a sense where as the price goes up, people chase that price almost. And as you know, the stock market, originally you'd buy a stock because you were interested in the dividend it might provide you. You were interested <laughs> in, um, buying a share of a company and ultimately receiving some of the returns or some of the profits that, that come associated with that company. But now what you're interested mm -hmm. in is all about the movement of the stock price itself. And as the stock price goes up, people flock to the stock market or to the, to the individual stock. And so it, always, it almost makes me think maybe the stock market isn't but it kind of is in a sense, um, and, and people don't think of it that way. Now, I know the stock market isn't a good in a sense, mm -hmm. but at the same time, 
it, it's it's something that people are often engaged in the purchase of. Like there's a mock, there's a market for stocks. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's an interesting example that I I had not thought of, uh, but it makes sense. Uh, you know, uh, let's take a stock stock like Apple. You know, we've been talking about yeah. them on this entire show. Um, it, you know, they're hovering in the 200 to $300 range right now. But if Apple stock was at $20, would people still buy it? Would people think they're as valuable, even with the same market cap? It's hard to say, yeah. right? And so I, I agree. Um, when people see, uh, I want, uh, you know, I want to spell this out here in an elegant way, but um, like you said, they, when people see fire, kind of like a stock is on fire, it's doing well, it has a lot of hype, uh, they flock to it. Uh, and so if you see a stock swinging 10% up on a given day, maybe you see investors buying it at the 10% and maybe it goes up another one and then crashes the next day. At, at the same time, like it leads right? to an interesting question. And this is kind of what I have a problem with Veblen goods in general. I, th I think that people refer to them as a contradiction, like just to bring it back to the, what we were talking about earlier, like people bring it back to this contradiction mm -hmm. of the law of demand, which suggests that as the price goes up, demand should decrease. But I think that also kind of, that's kind of a misunderstanding of what a good is in the first place, because ultimately a good, like I was saying, isn't just about the physical underlying uh, characteristics of, of, of the, uh, of the good itself. It's, it's not, it's not about the mm -hmm. thing. It's, it's what, what a good is about is about the use value of it, especially in regards to how you could exchange it in the marketplace with other humans. So it's a good is mm -hmm. a good should be looked at, and this is not exactly what they talk about in, in like economic class in college or whatnot. But a, a good should be looked at not just from the realm of what's the physical reality of the good, but what's the use value of it from the perspective of human wants and human desires. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, as that stock goes up in actual price, its use value to you goes up as well. Um, so mm. is that a contradiction? I, I, I don't know, but that's, yeah, that's very profound. I mean, I, I think we could almost say that the basic kind of price curve or price demand curve, maybe that only applies to commodities and things with purely intrinsic values, but maybe this Veblen curve or other ways of modeling it applies to things that have both intrinsic, you know, their physical value and extrinsic values. To but I, I'd even challenge where, you on that because w mm -hmm. intrinsic value, the notion of intrinsic value suggests that there's value in something outside of the realm of how you could exchange it for something else on the marketplace. And the role of prices mm. in an economy is to kind of allocate resources towards their most valuable use in a sense. So when you're talking about mm -hmm. something that has intrinsic value, I, I challenge that because I, I don't think a lot of things have intrinsic value. I think that things have value because they're desired by other humans. I mean, I, I generally know in like commonplace gotcha. language what you're describing because like intrinsic is mm -hmm. a word that's used in commonplace, but 
in, it kind of, in economics, intrinsic value to me doesn't mean much because goods aren't are, don't have intrinsic value. Like they have they have value insofar as that I can exchange them um, for something else of value. Like and it's just valuable to me in the way that I use it. Does that make sense? Definitely. And so I think that that brings us to kind of Veblen goods or all goods really are purely uh, they, they purely consist of extrinsic value, what value that they bring to others and to yourself. Uh, and Veblen goods maybe are a certain subcategory of that where uh, having more extrinsic value makes them more valuable. It's like a, a snowball effect. Is that is that where we're, where we're honestly? I don't know where we're headed now. I'm kind of confused because <laughs> I, I've gotten myself <laughs> not in a loop. I don't think, but I've got myself so far down an economic hole that I I I'm now in the realm mm-hmm. of things. I'm not not that I'm comfortable discussing any of these things, but it's like I need to think about it more. And so maybe it's a good place for me to stop and think because I I, I, yeah, I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm sorry to keep going on with this, but I, I keep I keep I keep coming back to this idea that. You know, as the price of something goes up, the demand should diminish. But as the price of something goes up, my value for it also goes up. Like a Ferrari, the, not to bring it back again, is 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 a Ferrari more valuable at a hundred thousand dollars than four Kias are? at $25,000? Like, would you rather have four Kias at $25,000 or one Ferrari at $100,000? They're both just cars. You could have four cars mm-hmm. and it provides the same exact use. Uh, and you could have four of them. Or you could have one Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily a contradiction that the, the, the demand for, you know, the Ferrari has gone up if, if it's, if then it's price continues to go up past a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I'm struggling to kind of find my word because this is an area that I'm, I obviously need to kind of, it's led to some interesting questions. I I need to think about it more. Definitely. So I think, uh, what we should do here for the listeners is let them think about this on their own time. Let us know what you think, you know, what, Items you think might be considered Veblen goods but aren't traditionally. Um, Patrick, it was great having you on the podcast today. Thanks for you know getting into a discussion on this. We might not have a clear answer yet, but we'll get there one day. Uh, and so thank you for coming on the show. Listeners, thanks for listening. Patty, before you leave, do you have any final shout-outs you'd like Well, the to final shout-out I'd like to ask you, maybe not the final one, but are you finished with your beer? I mean, that went mm-hmm. by pretty quick. Are we supposed to have finished it by now? I am not. I'm not even close. Uh, I I will continue to enjoy it uh, throughout tonight. Well, that sounds good. I'm going to do the same. I'm about, I'm about to go on a sunset walk, socially distant sunset walk. My final shout out is kind of like my initial shout out. Thanks to everyone um, doing their part, whatever whatever it may be, to uh, help the stopping of this coronavirus thing. I, I read something interesting the other day that kind of resonated with me, and I, I'm sure you've heard and a lot of listeners have heard it as well. Which, which kind of went like, your, our grandparents went to war for us. We can stay on the couch for them. Mm-hmm. And so thanks to everyone for doing their part. Definitely. Yes, thank you, everyone. And thank you for uh, staying so physically distant. 
but socially together. Uh, it sounds like you have a great walk planned. Listeners, we hope you can enjoy the sunshine as well. Uh, and thanks for listening to the most refreshing new podcast on the web. Every episode, we bring on one new guest. We share one drink together, and we ask one interesting question. We'll catch you next time. Stay sipping, Seattle.